Welcome to the Taking Your Time podcast, where we help you with time-saving tips and strategies. We also hope to cultivate a greater appreciation for our most precious resource, and that's time. I'm your host, Jacques. Hello, fellow time hackers. Today, we're going to do an interview with Dennis Mortensen. He is the CEO and founder of a company called X.AI that builds a artificially intelligent virtual assistant by the name of Amy, saving people time all over the world. I share a funny story about one of my experiences with an early version of Amy. It's a great interview. We talk about all sorts of things, including the building of X.AI, as well as uh, some tips that you can walk away with to improve your time management skills. Please enjoy. Dennis, thank you for uh, joining the uh, Taking Your Time podcast and um, sharing your, your story with us. Um, for the audience, I'd like to introduce Dennis Mortensen. He's the CEO and founder of X.AI. Uh, and before we kind of go into this, I'd like to share a little bit of the story. I was actually an early adopter of X.AI. You had a marketing campaign where you said, hey, we've got this cool technology coming. Sign up for our list. I don't know how real that cue was, but it felt very real. It, um, it, it was very real. It, it, yeah. the, it was actually so good that it started to feel fake, but that was not the case. Uh, now, seven <laughs> years later, I can tell you the truth, but uh, it almost worked too well. So we had uh, oh, wow. hundreds of thousands of people that wanted to kind of sign up in that uh, set of early days. But uh, that's, awesome. that's a different story. I want to get into it for sure. Yeah, I, I got onto the list. I don't know if I was like 5,000 or 10,000, but I, I was, you know, anxiously awaiting the countdown to get my access to the software. I felt like I was in a scheduling nightmare. And so it, it was, you know, your product was a godsend uh, for me. And in fact, so I was meeting with a friend of mine, Luis Garcia from uh, Full Sail University. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one. Um, but, you know, they have uh, a lot in the technology and, and media-based courses. But anyway, I was meeting him for lunch, and he had his EA, you know, sent the EA to, to get coordinated with me. And I, I, I brought in Amy to the conversation. You know, I said, hey, here's Amy. Amy will, you know, coordinate our schedules. And uh, it worked out. Everything was good. When I arrived, the executive assistant said, yeah, I thought Amy was going to be here. So I ordered her lunch as well. And so there's a little tweet out floating out there with a picture of a sandwich for Amy. Unfortunately, she could not uh, consume that because she has no physical body. But I thought it was really funny, right? It, it passed the Turing test, I guess you could say. Please tell us about, you know, the company, yourself and your journey. You know, I'd love to, to hear maybe how you got to the point where even X.AI was, you know, something that you wanted to pursue. I could... Uh... You need to kind of stop me here before okay. it comes into a, a four-hour seminar on uh, my life story. You know, my mom can kind of give you the extended version of that. But okay. uh, I think the, the short kind of compact version is that I am now uh, five ventures in, has spent my whole life uh, trying to make some good products, spent about five years on each one of these ventures. And we just had an exit on Exit AI. That's which awesome. Sold, Congratulations. Uh, last week. And all of them had have kind of been around the idea that we saw what we believe certainly was some real pain in market and could at least imagine that some piece of software could uh, alleviate, if not kind of remove that pain. Most of the products took root in some form of data, which is kind of our background. So we've been good at extracting uh, value from either you know, raw unstructured data and turn it into something. 
this particular idea, or really any one of the ideas that we've had over the past 26 years, it's adding up when you think about it, is by not kind of walking up to the whiteboard and trying to fall in love with some sort of idea where you and me meet up in my apartment, get some pizzas, a couple of beers, work my whiteboard, and then we kind of say, yeah, this is it. Let's spend the next five years of our lives on that. I am a little skeptical of that being a uh, good process. So what I try to do is the, uh, the opposite. I run a little uh, list on my phone, which I call my kind of list of hate, <laughs> meaning whenever I spot something which I don't like, I just take note. I don't go work it. I don't uh, go research it. I just take a note and say, this I really didn't like. That's it. You, you have then, a, some people have a list of ideas. You have a list of problems, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. the opposite, uh, which is I actually don't. The solution is the, uh, that's the fun part. That's the easy part. That's why you and me can spend you know, days, weeks, months. No, if you can spot a real problem, then you're on something. That's, that's the uh, finding goal part. So just try to kind of take note when I walk around in my everyday life and say, hey, this I don't like. I bought something, this experience, that moment, and just kind of add to the list. And then when I get to an exit, I go back and I look at that list. And what you have, obviously, if I look, and I'll answer your question now, we spent 1,059 days on our last venture. It was actually a right timing, good idea, great execution. So from beginning to end, just worked really well. So got to an exit very quickly. But I still looked at that list. Must have been 17 pages or whatever of kind of one-liners. And if you looked at it, you would think, what an angry young boy. <laughs> uh, I think he needs to go speak to somebody. But that's the whole point of the list. And what I saw on that list was just... Uh, multiple points of disappointment, really, of me sitting at 10.30 p.m. on a Thursday night in my underwear with a bowl of cereal, trying to set up meetings, yeah. and just thinking, is this my life? Is this my job? Because it seems like it shouldn't be my job. And I uh, thought, perhaps now is the moment to see if we can apply a little bit of software to this particular problem. We then took a particular tech angle, that of the uh, intelligent agent, or at least the idea that in the end became one of trying to help people schedule meetings over email as well, and uh, had a good outcome on it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely thought that that was an intriguing, a more practical use of machine learning and NLP than a lot of the things that uh, products that people were coming out to the market with. Um, because you were solving, you were directly going after a problem rather than, like you said, having a solution with looking for a problem to solve. And the reason we picked that particular channel, it was not that we were in love with email. It's just that, and I think most people would agree with this, at least if you go back X number of years, that the vast majority of the meeting requests you get from serious to not so serious arrive in your inbox. Hey, Dennis, do you got time for 20 minutes? Hey, Dennis, can we meet next week? Hey, Dennis, let's uh, kind of uh, hash this out over the phone. Can I come by the office? It all arrived, bar some intimate one from kind of family and friends and uh, my daughters. They arrived perhaps on some sort of messaging channel, but mostly they arrived in my mm -hmm. inbox. And we wanted to kind of have something for where, well, at this very moment, I almost know immediately, like you kind of chatting to me, yeah, we should set this up. I kind of, that doesn't really take much compute power. As in, I can either qualify or disqualify. What is costly is the, well, when should yeah. we talk? If I can just, uh, in the moment, kind of reply back and say, sure, let's set something up. 
then I can just get that out of my inbox, given I'm kind of an uh, inbox zero yeah. kind of guy, and we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, because, you know, e uh, it's, it's interesting to, the email, you're right, email is the common denominator, so no matter what channel the request sort of comes in on, even if it doesn't come in on email, um, you can still sort of go back to the email to, to you know, uh, to, to get it going, and you're right, it just takes a lot out of your, your headspace, I think, you know, prior to, you know, and promise folks that I, I'm not being paid to say this, but prior to x.ai, I do feel like a lot of my energy uh, was, you know, basically consumed by, should I meet with this person? Do I have time? Is it worth my time? When do I have time? Uh, do they have an EA? Who who else should be? Like, it's, it's just crazy. It might be a fun question to ask. So when did you, when, when did this particular problem of the scheduling make it to that list? And how long was it sitting on that list? Multiple yeah. years. Uh, so uh, it was not on the list once. It was probably on the list uh, four, five, six times to the point where I know this is already on the list. No need to add it again, Dennis. So, so, so in that regard, I, I, I many times write the same thing uh, on the list multiple times. Like uh, every time I'm in line in Citibank, I'm thinking, I'm a good customer. They don't know I'm a good customer or I think I'm a good customer. Perhaps they think the opposite. That's why I'm in line. So it's all going according to plan. But I'm thinking, why is this such a bad experience? And I'm this close in starting a retail bank. Uh, and one day I'll die in that, I'm sure. But uh, there's many things that comes into the list, just perhaps in different forms or different phrases, uh, many times over. And, and this That's was one really, of really intriguing. Because yeah. you and me do, you know, 10, 20, 30 meetings a week, week in, week out, year in, year out. Now that's, that's a really inspirational, uh, story. And it's, it's, I just love how you, you know, you approach the problem and, and, um, really focused on that. Um, you know, speaking of problems, I know that X.AI had experienced a, a lot of growth over the years, uh, even from the very beginning. Um, would you, do you recall any particular failures or challenges that you felt like you walked away with like a big learning um, from that time? So, so any venture you do, um, for every one good decision, you probably make 10 uh, poor ones. So there's certainly plenty to, <laughs> uh, to, to pick from. Uh, one thing, uh, if I could go, there's many things I'll go back and kind of change and turn it from a seven-year journey into a uh, four-and-a-half-year journey because I now know, you know, what the future looks like. But given you don't live in the future and you live in the now, you have to kind of just execute with what uh, information you have. I did probably run our enterprise sales segment experiment a little okay. too early. So uh, any venture, so we've, you know, there's many ways you can attack the market. This is a footnote upon footnote, but you can certainly attack the market from the top down or from the bottom up. And certainly early in my career, most people, if not almost all of us, attacked it from the top down. That's how you sold software. Now, of course, we have the, uh, the Dropbox, the Trellos, the Slacks of the world who taught us that, well, you can, make a, you can build a real uh, significant company with a attack angle that comes from the bottom. Somebody in the organization signs up, invites a few kind of colleagues, use a corporate credit card. It turns into that one team. Then you get another one. It blossoms into what will eventually be an enterprise contract. And you're trying to kind of figure out when exactly is it that you should start to assemble these little parts of successes and turn them into kind of proper uh, master service agreement. 
I think I did that a little bit too early and I actually shut the whole thing down. Hired a whole kind of uh, typical kind of sales team, yeah. EP sales, uh, account executives, SDRs, account managers, kind of like 10 people, start to kind of build up some kind of marketing muscle behind it. And we certainly sold something because we've got salespeople, but the market didn't really buy it. And that's a huge difference between you selling something right. and the market buying it. And that means the market was yet to allot a real line item in their budget. They were yet to kind of uh, figure out how do I measure a good return on investment? We had plenty of good ideas for that. So we were just selling it. And that meant we were kind of forcing it into market versus the opposite, which is once they've decided, oh, this is what I want. Right. I'll go have a look at what vendors in market I can pick from. So shut the whole thing down and then two years, two and a half years later, started to kind of build it again. But I was just a little bit too early. I should have uh, let those little uh, parts just blossom for a couple of years. Like, it's okay you have uh, seven parts over at Spotify. Right. You don't need to turn that into a contract just yet. Just have seven credit cards attached to Spotify. So was it the experiment was to, was, was uh, like, how do you know in, in your world um, I would I would almost describe it maybe as like the the enterprise experiment, right? Um, you you developed a thesis, um, you figured out well I'm going to run it for this amount of time, or, or maybe it wasn't a specific, but at some point you said you called it and said okay, experiment is concluded, and it was either a success you know success or not. But like what what, what kind of length of time do you think was uh, was appropriate? I think it obviously depends on the experiment, but if you Run an experiment like this, it is uh, hard to run it as a quick experiment just because any enterprise sales uh, funnel will have you go from top to bottom in four, five, six, six seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven months. My last venture we had in the end, we kind of really optimized it. I think we were down to sh just about seven months from initial high and hello. To kind of pen on paper, and it just uh, takes a lot of time to go from the uh, from the top to the bottom. This looked, given it was a new market, to be a little bit longer, probably around 10-11 months. Well, then suddenly the experiment can't be any less than that, and that means that's the first kind of handshake. Right. Uh, so you need probably a little bit more than that. So I ran it for 15 months before I concluded it because I couldn't really make it any shorter, and then. You can start add up what does it cost to keep a uh, expensive sales force and all the associated services around for 15 months. So it was a very expensive uh, experiment. And we kind of come back to your question. What could I, uh, what could I have done differently? That's certainly one of those things I would have uh, said, ah, oh, I know now you should wait two and a half years. So run it a little bit later than this. That, that, uh, but here we are. It all, it all ended well. So uh, it's very easy <laughs> no, to talk that's about. Good. That, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, maybe, maybe taking it back down to your users, um, what is some of the, you know, your, your favorite feedback that you've gotten from your customers on, um, how this has improved their lives? Uh, is this something that, uh, even for non-professionals, um, that this is, this has been a tool that they can use in their daily life? So I love many things, of course, but there's a few things where, you know, you kind of really fall in love with that argument and you can spot it immediately. They might not use the same words, but I see what they're trying to tell me. One is that people will immediately, if they're not sold on what we have to offer, we not just being me, but kind of my 
mini industry. So people in meeting scheduling, there's perhaps four or five kind of real contenders, perhaps 20 kind of below us who's kind of working in the same space. But there's this uh, kind of belief once you're kind of not yet convinced that, oh, I don't need a tool to get more meetings on my calendar. I already hate meetings. And I see where they're coming from. I also dislike poor meetings. Mm-hmm. I like good meetings. Like I like <laughs> meeting up with you. This is great. This is like time well spent. I actually look forward to this. There's certainly also meetings on my calendar, which I do not look forward to. Well, that's not really about software. That's about you not being able to pick the right people to meet with, or you not being able to turn a meeting into a asynchronous kind of back and forth. That's not the software, but you immediately kind of collapse those two things together. And you think, ah, I'm using Calendly or X.AI or some other piece of software, and now I have more shitty meetings. No, that's not the case. And my point here is that we had people who now figured out, oh, perhaps the software will be able to do the opposite for me. For me to have more of the right meetings, as in I might even have a, kind of a lesser amount of meetings and all of the ones I have, because I now use the software to say, ah, <laughs> there's no more availability. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a nice guy, but hey, what can you do? It's software. And they really worked it. And whenever they told me, Dennis, I really like this. I'm having mm-hmm. more of the right meetings and less of the shitty ones. And that is really what I wanted to hear. That's when they kind of started to kind of click for them. That's one. The other one was when they started to see Dennis, I'm starting to align my life along the very parameters that I had hoped for. I was unable Mm -hmm. to execute on it as a human. But given the software has no emotions, like I don't like uh, to wake up at uh, 6 a.m. knowing that I have an early meeting. I like to know that the day before, so I'm going to mentally kind of prepare for it. Well, the software can just kind of apply a strict lead time. No, I'm not having breakfast with anybody without me knowing two days in advance. Great. The software just really does that very well. So I have all these little ideas for how I want to run my calendar and run my life. Well, I can codify that in software and don't break free of it. When I did it myself, I had all these little kind of compromises. Yeah, sure. Uh, you in Israel? Okay, we'll do the call uh, You know, Sunday. But then two weeks later. Yeah, right. Yeah. Even like for, for personal things, I find like, hey, if I want to meet um, someone new, um, I almost use it as a way to, I can even go to the calendar myself and see like, am I meeting enough new people? If I'm not, if, are they using up enough of those slots within the calendar? So the, 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 what your comment about structuring your life around the tool or being able to structure the life that you want to have, I, that resonates with me. And I think what's important to mention here, which is, and again, I have all the arguments when people start to kind of push back, not just out <laughs> of, uh, hey, Denise wants more revenue. I get it. No, it's the idea that most people have already codified an idea of how they want to run their life, which is, I'd rather not do a two-hour Zoom meeting Saturday night at 6 p.m. That is just so obvious that you don't do it. Well, the obvious ones are easy to escape. It is the not-so-obvious ones for where I wish I could have left a little early on Fridays, or I wish I didn't have any meetings early on Monday, so I can kind of clean my inbox, prep for the week, be super sharp when I'm actually at the very meetings that I set up. Like, all these little things that... We have already codified, but we have kind of 17 little kind of items that we codified that we don't just 
fully execute on, or we make too many kind of compromises, and then we break free of that. So it's not that you haven't codified it. It's the fact that uh, you're just not a good machine in executing on it. That does make sense. Are there any, um, and, and it's okay if you can't recall from memory or even an estimate, but are there any like sort of fun facts or figures that you guys compile internally on, you know, how much time that you save people or, you know, meetings booked or, or number of emails avoided? <laughs> so uh, we, do, uh, we do all of those uh, internally uh, just because that they're both fun stats community they also kind of reasonably kind of scary and many kind of pieces of software it's uh, possible but somewhat hard to figure out what is the actual ROI so you and me wouldn't run a company without immediately putting say a CRM system in place or mm -hmm. many other pieces of software in your stack but try to explain to me in a spreadsheet, not in words, but in a spreadsheet, what the actual return on investment is on a CRM. I know it's there, but how do you actually calculate that? Well, in meetings, it becomes very kind of uh, possible to kind of calculate it, which is that I can go to your calendar right now. I can look at the amount of events in your calendar. I can see the amount of events where you are the host. I know exactly how many meetings on average it takes to schedule a meetings. It oh, takes wow. 8.01 email on average, including the invite to schedule a meeting, meaning about three and a half on each side. Then one of us will take the pain of assembling the actual event. And I know exactly how many minutes it takes to respond to each email, we run all those tests. It takes about 3.4 minutes uh, to kind of craft an email. And you'll then say, ah, I can do that much faster. Yeah, you think it's probably going to take you longer uh, because I'm only talking about the raw time spent kind of crafting it, not the kind of cognitive cost of uh, losing track of what you're working on and getting back on track with what you were kind of working on before. The switching uh, I'm just yeah. talking about the mm -hmm. flipping from, uh, you know, tab to tab and crap. Yeah. And that ends up being a staggering amount of money on each employee, which is reasonably easy to kind of calculate. You can run this uh, across the whole organization. And when people see that number, which is, you don't meet, need to be that many people, but it's, if you want to kind of rule of thumb, it's about five to 500 to $700 per person. Wow. Per month. And people say, that's not true. But it is. It's just that it yeah, disappears into right. the kind of overall cost of having the employee. Uh, and you think, yeah, but that's their job. But is it? If you hire an account manager, I thought their job was to speak to customers. If you hire a salesperson, I thought their job was to speak to leads. If I speak to someone in customer success, I thought they should solve problems for the very accounts we have. I thought a product manager should be writing up specs, not planning right. meetings. Like, it's not the meetings themselves. Oh, they are hopefully you know, well-intended. It's the planning part for where you add no value. There's some real time behind the, the cost of doing, doing this, let's call it low-value low activity, right? I'll tell you, so just for the fun of it, in some of our kind of early studies, because I wonder if you're going to get a grasp on it. So I hired a couple of uh, full-time assistants and then connected with 50 of my friends in kind of middle management for where I know with 100% certainty you don't have an assistant. Mm. I will pay for one, though, uh, if you schedule all your meetings uh, through uh, my assistants. And all you surrender now is uh, the emails, 
of course, because you'll be coordinating on your behalf and me being able to kind of count the cost. They simply couldn't do it any faster than the very stats that I just gave you. And that was them only doing this. Not kind of, they didn't have switching costs of trying to kind of do some other job on top of this. Just my job is now just because Danny's told me and he's paying for it to schedule meetings for these kind of 50 people. Well, I know we are uh, coming up on time here. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, what's next personally or, or professionally? You know, are you staying at the uh, business? Is everything going to continue on as it has been? Do you have another project uh, that you want to do on the horizon? So uh, I'm certainly a fan of, and I think anybody who does any venture should be a fan of making sure that whatever got acquired is well integrated. Uh, I think that's... Uh, something where you should have some sort of pride attached to that. Uh, you might also have a legal obligation, but you should certainly have some personal pride attached to it. So I don't have a legal obligation uh, because I've been good, honest, and proper in all of my prior ventures for where early on I didn't have a legal obligation and they saw, well, Dennis will stay put and make sure this is well integrated. So if we give him $10 and he put that in his pocket, he will still stay put and make sure that we get some value out of what was just acquired. So we are now in that kind of uh, post-merger integration phase where we're trying to figure out how to kind of best take advantage. There's all sort of high level strategic ideas for why they did it. And now we need to kind of go execute on that. And I'll certainly stay put to kind of make sure that it's done well uh, because it's not only just uh, the kind of pride dimension for where people can say, Dennis, why are you even doing that? But there's also the uh, kind of future value for where if you do anything in the future, uh, the first uh, set of people that will be mm -hmm. called should you get to another exit is the prior acquirer. <laughs> So that Dennis dude, uh, what happened? Uh, was it good software? Was it good people? Uh, was it real revenue? Did it integrate well? And if the answer is negative on all of those, it's going to be very hard or you'll have to apply a discount in the future. So right now, I'm really just making sure that I don't need to apply any discounts to anything which I do in the future. And that's kind of where I'm at. And essentially, it sounds like your next project then is proving the acquisition thesis uh, whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> if we speak about time, I'll give you some uh, in closing. Now I'm just uh, now I'm just preaching, right? Uh, to to know nobody's benefit. Here's a few things uh, people should uh, prove me wrong on. Uh, I'm a believer. Doesn't mean I'm right, but I'm a believer. Uh, I run uh, Inbox Zero, and uh, you'll see plenty of people uh, on social take pride in some sort of inbox uh, bankruptcy for where. See, I've got 21,000 emails I haven't read. Well, don't be proud about that. Uh, I will go home today on Inbox Zero. Not because I need to answer every single email, but I had at least enough exposure to them that I could archive them without responding, knowing that this is not an email which I need to respond to. Either there's somebody else on the thread who's a better owner of the response, I can just archive it. But I like it not for the zero part or for the kind of bragging rights. I like it for, I think, what you said very early on in this chat. I create some possible empty space which allows me to think. That means I don't need to think about the idea that there might be something that I should respond to. No, I know with certainty. In this chat, before I entered this, I had three emails in my inbox. So I can just speak to you, not think about anything else. That's, that's one. The other one is I am aggressive on adding things to my calendar. And people say, oh, why are you filling up your calendar? Now, I'm not filling up my calendar. 
I'm planning my time so that if I do go spend three hours on something, I know that when I'm there for three hours, that's it. I'm dedicated to this. I said, all I have to think about is what you and me agreed to do for three hours. Not some, uh, hey, I might get a message or I should probably get back. No, you and me for three hours. So I'm very anal about adding 10-minute slots, three-hour slots, eight-hour slots to my calendar. And not kind of have, oh, I think I should do this next week. Oh, cool. Let's add it to the calendar. Be overly aggressive. I can always kind of compress it. So that's the, the second one. And the third one, uh, and perhaps mm -hmm. the most aggressive, uh, if people want a time hack, uh, on weekends, and now I'm lying. I want to say every okay. weekend, but that's yeah. not true. But uh, let's then say every second weekend, uh, to be super honest. Uh, I live uh, downtown Manhattan uh, on Wall Street. Then I'll take the uh, subway all the way up to the other end of Manhattan, and I'll walk back. I don't know, wow. what is that 15, 20 kilometers? It'll take about three hours. No phone, no podcast, no music, no nothing. I do it mostly just so I can uh, start to put things in the right boxes. So what happened throughout the week, there's some residue. Uh, and I just want to make sure that I, uh, you know, let my mind wander. And uh, I can kind of sort things out, but I don't bring an agenda. It's kind of, oh, yes, there's that thing. Yeah. I kind of solve it. And, you know, neurons kind of connect. And I kind of put it in a box. I solve another thing. It's a, a great little exercise. It's probably the same as uh, people who... Uh, <laughs> meditate i i think because i don't so uh, they can kind of really kind of prove me wrong on that but it's my way of trying to do that for where you can sort things out or put things in the right boxes and even come back knowing that what did i solve perhaps nothing perhaps a lot but that actually doesn't matter because you kind of uh, rewire and kind of get ready uh, for the week to come and i will say i'm not an expert on meditation but my understanding is um it's very similar in the sense of you have no agenda right and you will have thoughts because you're human um but you sort of let them kind of flow through you and if you know if your mind comes to a conclusion you have that awareness and you sort of archive that that thought i think you're right it sounds it sounds a lot like meditation and and brainstorming all kind of wrapped in one thank you again so much for doing the the podcast um, I've learned a lot today. Uh, I'm sure the uh, the audience has as well. We appreciate your time. And if there's anything else that you'd like to share with the audience, feel free to share it. Um, no, thanks much for having me. And uh, if I could, uh, you know, close on anything, uh, don't be afraid to go apply software to the idea of scheduling. If you use our software, fantastic. If you're not, equally fantastic. But at least uh, give it a whirl. Uh, you'll be happier for it. Thank you so much, Dennis. Very much appreciated. Cheers.